On today's show, our special guest is Bridget Charters, a chef at Tom Douglas's Hot Stove Society Cooking School, and we have lots of calendar items and news from around town. We're also following up on our trend discussion from last month's show. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by The Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. Hi, this is Jeff Green with B&E Meats and Seafood. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the December Seattle Dining Show, number 1712. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, Publisher of Seattle Dining. Howdy! Howdy. <laughs> it is even a Western show, but it sounds like month. we're going Western. <laughs> hey, last month we were talking about trends. We talked about the National Restaurant Association uh, survey they did of, of restaurants and restaurants owners, restaurant owners and what they thought. We felt nothing was very new. It was already, We thought we were the trendsetters. We thought it's old news to us, most yeah. of the things. So we thought, are we that special or what's going on? So let's talk to people this month and see what they're thinking or doing. What are the local chefs doing right now or what are they seeing as trends? So we got some responses back and we thought we'd just go over a few. So I will say some of these and then you can jump in and respond. Okay. So uh, Max Petty, the chef and owner at, at Eden Hill... Mm-hmm. On Queen Anne, one of his things is, and this isn't particularly new, but you don't hear a lot about it. But he's calling it dirt to flour. It's his way of describing nose to tail, but for veggies. Mm-hmm. So the trend leaning toward using all parts of the vegetable instead of composting pieces you don't want. So at Eden Hill, he's pickling and grilling stems. He's juicing and using scraps and things like that. Yeah. Now, yeah. you, you used to do this. I, I Yeah, I, I used to juice my own apple juice. And one of my favorite things was to take all that pulp and then mix it up with some ice cream or put some uh, vinegar over the top of it and enjoy it and, uh, and get all that goodness out of there. Yeah. I think – I don't know. Uh, I think some of that – I remember Amy doing that with uh, – she had a – um, soup that she would use the scraps, carrot scraps and things. Who did? Why am I blanking on her name? She had the show on TV. Amy. Chef. Uh, she used uh, to be Tom Douglas's assistant and did the radio show. Oh, what oh, Pennington. Like? Pennington. Thank you. My God. Sorry, Amy. I figured all the listeners didn't know who Amy was yeah. unless we got the last name exactly. out there. Exactly. Uh, the other person that we've talked to recently was Joel Gameron of Sir La Tab. Uh-huh. He actually has a show, and it's going to go on, I think, the entertainment channel, mm. and it's called Scraps. Mm. So it is. I can see that as, as being a trend here. <laughs> um, Maria Hines of Tilth and Agrodolce, what she's seeing is an increasing home deliveries of fine dining food, you know, through Uber Eats and Amazon, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, 
pizza and Chinese food. And my, you know, my concern about fine dining foods is that it's going to be more expensive, and you probably have had it at the restaurant and think, oh, yeah. It's going to taste the same. Is it going to, you know, and and I'm hoping that um, technology has moved things forward so that uh, food being moved, transported, is going to maintain its texture and not get Yeah, I mean, that's all, or, yeah, kind of got advanced a little bit anyways, just yeah. through pizza delivery. Yeah. But, um, you know, it makes me wonder if someone like Maria Hines might not start up sort of a commissary where it's a commercial kitchen closed to the public, but all they do is create food that's going to get shipped out, and you look out in the parking lot, and there's a bunch of Amazon and Uber drivers yeah. and, and uh, all those people waiting in line to, to pick up food to go. I like this idea. I think... I think you're in charge of making this happen. Yeah. And that, that guy at, uh, who has Roxy's, you know, he's tried several different concepts. Some of them have failed, but he continues to sell them as a delivery only, right. the Mexican food, the barbecue. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't, it makes me wonder if some of these people are going to go that way yeah. where you won't actually be able to walk in the door and get some of that food. It's really interesting when you go to Roxy's because you look back into the kitchen. There's piles of boxes. Oh, yeah. They're just waiting to send and it off. And you know they're, they're, they're cooking stuff back there that you can't order in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, interesting. Let's see. Um, Chef Ryan Donaldson from Gather Kitchen and Bar, that's a new place in Ballard. One of his tips was that, and I'm not going to probably pronounce this right, it's Berber, I think, or Berbere. It's an African spice that he uses in the restaurant on fried chicken thighs with kale and garbanzo beans and oven-roasted tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will sprinkle it on things like popcorn at home. Now, I looked it up on two different sites, and one just says it's a chili spice blend essential to many Ethiopian dishes. And another one went into big detail, chili peppers, garlic, ginger, basil, all these things. And it, a lot of stuff you can't buy I, unless you go to World Spice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he, they mentioned Ethiopia and Eritrea, so interesting that that might be uh, something coming up. I wonder if that's really going to be a trend or if he's just talking to get some promotion. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I, well, you know, it's a trend for him. Yeah, it's a trend for him. It's a trend for him. But is it going to spread across the country and you'll find it in New York next well, in a year from now or something like that? You know, we have a pretty large Ethiopian population here. True. And it's just getting bigger. Yeah, so I, I can see that spreading. Um, and it kind of uh, dovetails into what Adam Stevenson said. Um, he's from Motif. He feels that ramen is blooming right now. So they have put in a ramen action station as an upgrade to their banquet and catering menus. So not the restaurant, but the banquet and catering. Mm-hmm. And he says it creates a lot of action in the room with guests and is fun for cooks to work the station. Now I'm thinking ramen used to be there were there are ramen restaurants but yeah. he's seeing it come into just general menus so do i walk up to the ramen action station like i would have someone make me an omelet during a brunch someday and no. just tell them how to make my ramen remember i've said it twice now banquet and catering menus i know that's why i'm saying if so if there's a banquet and they have the action station at the banquet oh, yeah maybe. what is an action station i don't know what it is i think you can either watch them do it it's like yeah. watching that's what i'm thinking so it's, it is like ordering yeah. an omelet yeah. at a breakfast i'm at thinking a, at a probably brunch. so yeah yeah, yeah. And catering menus, I guess you would pick out what you wanted on the catering menu, and they'd make that ramen specifically hmm. to your needs. I don't know. Um, I think part of that trend is the interaction. And you can watch portion. them open a little flavor packet and put it into the ramen. <laughs> Just like our favorite 
Yeah. Gosh, but anyway, I think that sort of ties in with the African spice because it's things that are coming from other countries and and just becoming part of sure. normal menus. Then we talked to Jeff Green and his marketing maven Bettina Carey of B&E Seafood. And what they're really seeing is that people are talking meat intelligence. They want to know about what they're buying. And this is primarily millennial customers. Mm-hmm. But they want to know where their meats and seafood are coming from. They have a high social consciousness, high interest in protecting the environment and animal welfare. They like sustainable, organic, local. So it does uh, – and and we're all for this, it does hopefully change what's being offered, not only at a butcher shop. I want to see it go one step, maybe two steps further. Mm-hmm. I want to see them also educate their, their customer about um, the science of the food. So if the, if the cow was fed nothing but corn feed, it's loaded mm-hmm. with omega-6, which nobody needs a lot of. And then if it was grass-fed, it's loaded with omega-3, which we all need a lot of. And teach that to the millennials, too. That's how yeah. we're going to get to where we get really good grass-fed beef going mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You know, the hard thing is to be the first one to do that because if you're talking that up, then you're basically saying the rest of your stuff in the butcher case isn't, you know, top-notch. Well, so, I'll go do it, and, yeah. and then you can all come after me. <laughs> I'm just saying it would be – That's I think that does have to happen. And it doesn't mean actually that everything in the butcher case is bad. It's not as good for you, but if you – I mean, we've talked to a lot of chefs, and they go, we just prefer gor- corn-fed beef. I know. I so, know. you know. But, you know, there's 22 cuts of beef. So that's yeah. another education – part of the education yeah. process is what's the difference between a, a strip steak and a New York sirloin, yeah, stuff like that. And that was one of the things that came out in that larger National Restaurant Association um, survey was that people were doing different cuts of meat. And we didn't think that was very new, but it is an educational thing. Yeah. So um, then I um, was looking into some information from – uh, Alfred Freeman and Company. It's now called AF and Co. out of San Francisco. It's a restaurant and hospitality consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And they had some, like in their food trends, they said vegetables go mainstream. Now, um, we're talking to Bridget Charters later, and she is a vegetable. She loves her vegetables. She loves her vegetables. You got to like that. Um, Carlisle Room, Tom Douglas's thing, was kind of based on that. Yeah. You know, protein on the side. Uh, so that's interesting. I think, you know, that is happening. Um, beverage trends, they're calling it farm to shaker, so garden-inspired cocktails. And I've seen that around town at places like Alchemy and the places that really do, you know, serious. I could see that being a trend maybe at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Maybe we'll be done with this uh, bitters trend and move on to farm to shaker. Yeah, bitters? Bitters. No, that, yeah, bitters. Uh, so, so many bitters in all these cocktails now. Yeah, and everybody makes their own, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, they had some concept and business trends, and I thought this one was interesting. Uh, the future of transactions in restaurants, fewer people, more kiosks. And I have to say that Red Robin did this about two years ago. They don't have servers anymore. You walk in and you put your order in, poke out what you want, and somebody brings it to your table. Oh, I haven't and, been to Red Robin for a while. I know. And I went to McDonald's the other day, and I had one foot in the door. And the staff member was just like, over here, over here, over here. I saw it at the airport. They got it at the airport now. They've got the kiosks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're trying to educate people how to do it. Jack in the Box tried that about five years ago and it failed. Oh, interesting. So we'll see what happens. What was the California burger place on the Ave that we went to when they opened? 
I don't know, Cali Burger. Cali Burger, like yeah. yeah. They had those. Mm. And you can actually get their app or something, which drives me crazy, and order, you know, like on your way in. So um, the under design and style trends, they were talking about semi-private spaces, allowing for privacy without cutting guests off from the action. And I think that's an interesting one. If you look at Henry's Tavern mm-hmm. in Bellevue, they have these little offshoots of the yeah, main room. Yeah, little nooks in there. Huh? And they pull curtains across. Right. So you can't be seen, but you're hearing everything else. Now, but we saw uh, Chef Howie just did that over at Sea Star, putting oh, yeah. in that, that special space in the back, but yeah. it's just basically it's a curtain pull. Yeah. Hmm. Um, even Rasha Thai on Queen Anne has had that. They've been there 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they've got that back room, and I think they're shutters. There's something, a wood door shutters that they can pull shut. Um, so it's a little less semi-private and more private, but still. I think that's interesting because, again, everybody is so into social media and things like that, they want to be heard and seen. So you you don't want to go into the totally private thing. Um, Let me see here. Hotel trends, something about robots bringing your food to your yeah, room. You know, I well, wonder if those robots have little vacuums on the bottom of them oh, so yeah, they, they can vacuum come. the floor while they deliver your food. Excellent idea. It would be a um, – oh, no, no. I'm going to remember the name. What's the <laughs> vacuum that does that, the robo-cleaner or something? I don't know. There's yeah. a bunch of them, 500 bucks a pop or yeah. whatever. Big but Christmas item this year. The other thing that was really what I was getting at on that one is that they're talking about healthier vending options. Now, that's been going on for a while, like in schools. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and well-being amenities. So the, the amenities in the rooms are nice. But the, the one I thought was very interesting there was global breakfast options. And that tells you how many people are traveling. And I know, like... So I can order breakfast from around the world? Yeah. So you've got different options. Hmm. I don't know. I know every time uh, I go through the San Francisco airport, I like to go over to the international section because Mm -hmm. they've got all the dim sum and the pho and the noodle soups and And stuff. And the breakfast burrito. Yeah, well, I always go for the noodle soups or something. (laughs) (laughs) For breakfast, yeah, you do. Another, the last thing I wanted to bring up was um, Bon Appetit, which is a management company. You know, they manage things like... uh, Not the magazine. No, not the magazine. Um, They manage... Mm, restaurants in art museums and universities and things like that. Mm -hmm. But they have, this is a quote from them, uh, food service for a sustainable future. It's the driving force behind their every move, commitment to environmentally and socially responsible practice that respect farmers, workers, and animals. You see that a lot now, and I think it's big in the Northwest, but I think this is spreading um, elsewhere too. And I think they've been doing it for a long time. And they take a lot of pride in helping people outside their communities, like after the hurricanes and fires. And if you think about it, I don't know if you paid that much attention, but after all the hurricanes and the Napa fires and stuff, Mm -hmm. there were so many restaurants in Seattle holding uh, fundraisers. Fundraisers, B&E Meats did it for Puerto Rico. Yeah. You know, so I think that, again, that's kind of a millennial thing that they want to do good. They have a high social responsibility. And so, to get and maintain customers, they want their customers to know they're helping. That's good. Yeah, and I think they have a belief in that. It's not just a money thing. I think the people who do it have a belief in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always good to have restaurants there when things like that are going down. Yeah, exactly. So, well, hey, listen, let's, uh, let's move on and let's talk about where we've been eating at lately. Perfect. For me, uh, I went to the Fremont Dock, which is something that I've 
actually been sort of avoiding, and I have no reason why um, why I would have avoided it because I've never been there. I have a friend who thinks their fish and chips is the best, one of the best in town. And then another friend was moving out of town and said that's where she wanted to have kind of a goodbye party. So we went down there. And in fact, before I went down, I called them because I wanted to buy her a Fremont Dock t-shirt. Where's so a Fremont Dock located? It's right next to um, uh, Fremont Brewing. 30, okay. Is that 36th, 34th? Uh, Towards yeah, Stoneway. Right, right down in the heart of the center of the universe. Yeah, by, by Stoneway. Oh, Stoneway. Okay. That, that direction. Um, so I called and I talked to Shelly, one of the owners, and just said, hey, I have a friend who's moving out of town and she loves the Fremont Dock and I thought I'd get her a t-shirt. And she goes, oh, I'm, you know what? Thank you for calling. I need to sort those all out and get them organized. So thanks for doing that. I'll call you back and let you know what I have. Which I thought was really nice instead of being, you know, aggravated that I was making her do something. She was happy with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did call me back. And she said, you know, we've got a couple things that might work for her because I didn't know the size. And uh, I told her what the deal was. And she said, oh, we'll be happy just to give it to her. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. You go in there and spend 100 bucks or more. Why not just yeah. give you a T-shirt for Yeah. Her? But as it turns out, they knew each other, but I didn't know that. And I hadn't used her name. So, But anyway, I did have the fish and chips, and they were very good. And it was a fun place. So I would say that was kind of that was a good find for me. Mm-hmm. Then I have not been down in the Robert Ramsey wine room for a while. I'd been there That's once. That's up on Queen Anne. Yeah, right 1629 on. Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. And um, the good and bad. The good is that they've got just kind of snack, charcuterie, cheese, things like that. But very good. Good quality. Um, nice things to nosh on, and I happen to like their wine a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, we went down on a Friday night, and we got there a little bit before five, and there were only four people in there, and it was already so loud. And by the time it filled up, you know, by the time it was about six, you really couldn't hear anything. And then at six, they had a guitarist come in. That only happens on weekends. Yeah. Um, where they have one night, they'll have a piano person in, and one night they have. It's a guitar. not a very big space. So it's a small to, space. For it to get super loud in there is crazy. Yeah, and it was. I was sort of disappointed in there because I I like places like that, and I like to go in. I want to support them because they're they're really good. Um, but I would say go early or go late. It gets really loud. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So then I tried out the Aviva. Wood-fired pizza, which is on Queen Anne, it took over, I believe it was a pizza hut. On, oh, the place down on the corner there, on, yeah. on the top of Queen Anne. Yeah, is that McGraw? I think that's yeah, McGraw. Yeah, I think so. So they have like, you know, six or seven parking spaces, which is nice, although there's plenty of street parking around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I wanted to try it, it's a Neapolitan pizza place. You know, we've got Cafe Trib on the other end mm-hmm. of the street, um, and I'm not always the biggest Neapolitan pizza fan. Um, but I wanted to try it because they use organic, all-natural ingredients. They've got organic extra virgin olive oil, organic flour, all-natural fior de lat mozzarella, imported San Marzano tomatoes from Italy, imported 24-month cured prosciutto di Parma, organic all-natural nitrate-free cured meats from Zoe's charcuterie. So I, you know, I really, I was like, boy, they're right down what we're liking. Yeah. Um, I I tried their caprese salad and it was excellent mm-hmm. and it had the little like grape tomatoes that oh, yeah. were organic instead of the big slice yeah. of tomato and the mozzarella that they have and then they and the basil, um, basil was the just really delicious. Mm. 
The pizza, uh, I, w- I want to love it. I, I, I tried pepperoni because I wanted to, you know, set the mitch- benchmark. Yep. Um, it was a little bland, and like many Neapolitan pizzas, it was a little soggy in the middle. And I use a nitrate and nitrite-free cured meats yeah. from Zoe Charcuterie. Charcuterie, yeah. So, I, you know, it's a good and bad thing. I want to try it again because I want to see – I want to try a different pizza. I know that salad's great. And they had two other salads, so I don't know. The one thing I will say about it mm-hmm. is they have a uh, neon open sign. Pay attention to that because it looks closed all the time. Oh, okay. The lighting in there and, – and you can't eat in there. It's not um, – so you just have to go pick it up and take it home. No, you can't eat. You oh, can't, you eat, can't there, eat. But there's only like four tables. It's small, yeah. and I think they dim the lighting for the people who are there. Uh-huh. You know, so it's kind of a, a nicer atmosphere. Huh. But honestly, it looks pitch black. I think the the windows may be tinted or something. Oh yeah, there could be. Uh, it just looks dark all the time. I keep thinking, oh, they're not open. In fact, the night I went, I I drove up and I thought, well, I'll try the door, but they're obviously closed, and it opened right up. So. Hmm. Um, the last one I was going to talk about is Peony in Bellevue, and this was another very mixed feeling for me. Someone told me it was really good. It's Chinese. It's on Old Main, which they're now calling New Main or just Main Street. And it is a really pretty place. You go in, there's a dining room on one side, a dining room and bar on the other. On the bar side, there's a brick wall. There's some cool... Uh, painting kind of things, mural things on that brick that's very subtle. The bar itself looks really fun. The bottles are all up above and tall seats. and um, It was a nice place. Hmm. Um, they have, like, you have to pay for it, but there's four different kinds of tea you can get, which I haven't seen since Oasian went down. I'm sure it's all over the place, but I just had Four hadn't. kinds of tea? Yeah, like you okay. can get, you know. And some of them are familiar, like Jasmine, but there were some things that I hadn't seen since Oasian went down. Huh. So um, I was happy with that, and I decided to get for lunch the um, beef and broccoli broccolini saute. That sounded really good. Um, they asked me if I wanted a fork and knife, and I said, oh, no, I'm fine with chopsticks. And then they bring up the broccolinis, like, seven inches long. Ooh. I'm not getting that in my mouth and chomping on it, uh, you know. Yeah, right. I right. thought the sauce was really good, but other than that, the, I did not think the beef was really good quality. Mm. So I, it was, you know, I want, I kind of want to go back and have a drink there. I thought it was such a cool place, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, it's again another place I'll have to try and give another chance, try something different entirely, hmm. and see what I think. But so, what about you? Uh, so uh, we took, uh, we we met up with a few friends and went over to the Sandpoint Grill. I don't remember what I had. What did I eat? Was it you had a pork chop. A pork chop, yeah. And I think everybody was pretty happy with the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having so much fun, I just didn't really take notes yeah. on it. But Well, one of the things that our friends said was like, wow, you really know how to pick a family place. And again, this was like, I think it was a Thursday night, actually. Or was it Sunday? No, it was a weekday night. Yeah, I think it was Thursday. And I have to say, we've been there a number of times. I've never noticed kids in there, but we almost always sit at the bar, too. Yeah. Um, so maybe that was it. And our but, friends really love kids. <laughs> well, dogs, <laughs> cats. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, until later. It didn't kind of clear out of the kids. So if you're not a kid person or don't, re- they weren't obnoxious. I think there was one squalor, and then and they walked out with them. So yeah, I don't remember that being a problem. Yeah, 
another place that I pop my head into, but I must go back and eat there, is called The Fork, and it's up at Whatcom mm. Lake. Mm. And uh, so we have to do a little field trip up there someday yeah. and, uh, and go up there. Uh, it would be a tough one to get to for breakfast, but if you want to do brunch, you could drive up and, and do it. Really nice uh, restaurant. Got two sides to it. It's got a bar running between the two sides. So, um, you know, they maybe they put all the squeaky little kids on the one yeah. side. I don't know. But uh, I, uh, it was a really nice place. And uh, I just stopped off and uh, uh, checked in, but I didn't eat. So I'm going back. Um, and it, being that this is a December show, we got a couple places from our recent trip to Hawaii because yeah. everybody's going to Hawaii, right, in yep. December. So uh, and we were on Kauai. We were on Kauai. We were up in Princeville. And the, uh, I don't know, what is it, 37 years old now? Or, Something like or that. More, it's huge. Dolphin. Yeah. And uh, we had dinner down there, and we were not impressed. Um, you know, I, I just hit the point where I can cook better than that at home. They um, have a lot of, because they've been around so long, they've pretty much left that menu. They've added a sushi bar. Yeah. But other than that, it's kind of, they had like um, scampi, was it scampi? But it was topped with sour cream. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really old-fashioned stuff that you'd see in the old Betty Crocker books. Huh. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Then uh, we ate at Nenea, which is down at the Weston Hotel. Nice little restaurant. They, they do a nice job down there. Good servers. Uh, food, eh, so. Yeah. I had prime rib. It was it was okay, but. And you know, both of these dinners were well over $100 for two people. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, uh, I don't know. So we were having better luck eating at home. We actually shipped a little. We talked about this on the show last month. We, you know, we, I shipped a box over mm-hmm. to us with some Tom Douglas rub and some extra light olive oil and things that we would need that we didn't want to go buy big amounts of and throw away at the end of the week. You know, the uh, follow-up to that story, we swore we'd remember to say it on this month's podcast, <laughs> is that we came home – We. We, because of our schedule, we really pay no attention to a lot of holidays, yeah. like um, Veterans Day or Columbus Day or whatever. So, so and, we try to be good citizens and ship all the excess back on yeah. Friday afternoon. And the post office closed at two thirty or two, and we got there at two twenty. Yeah, we didn't know. So, so then Saturday, we're going to leave. We get ready to leave, and we're, we're we go down to the post office on the way to the airport. And uh, there's nobody at the window because it's Veterans Day. <laughs> so we had to find a way to pack all that stuff in your suitcase and mm-hmm. then check your bag to get it all home. Well, we saved ourselves 12 bucks. Yeah. So. And I have to say, uh, there was a woman who was just dropping something off at the post office. And she was like, oh, what are you trying to do? And we told her. And she, and she was the one who said, yeah, you know what you really need to do is take some things out of your suitcase and just carry them on. And pack this stuff up in your suitcase and check it. Mm-hmm. And so she was like full of good advice, very friendly person. It was I think like she was friendly. an airline stewardess or something. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about news bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name is Elijah Lefkowitz. We're from uh, Fort Myers, Florida. We're visiting the Seattle area. We went to the Tillicum Place Cafe for brunch, and it was absolutely delicious. We had the savory and sweet Dutch, ba- Dutch babies, and 
Well, if we ever come back, that we'll be coming back to Tillicum Place Cafe. Hey, this is Christopher Chan, the host of Happy Hour Radio. And right now you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show with a news bike section. This is where we talk about things that are going on in the community at restaurants and special things that are you might not otherwise know about. Uh, you can always follow our news bite section online. Just go to seattledining.com, click on news bites. Uh, we run that through Twitter. So if you're a Twitter user, go ahead and subscribe to, I believe, it's Seattle Dining Mag. At Seattle Dining One. Oh, at Seattle Dining One, okay. And uh, and that way you can stay up to date with things that are going on in our community here. So uh, what's, what's going on? I see that uh, Rogo's in Magnolia has been sold. Tell me more about yeah, that. Yeah, well, Michael and Carolyn Rogozinski bought that. and um, Only about four or five years ago. Yeah, if that. I think it's been maybe three or something. Huh. It hasn't been a long time. Um, you wonder about, you know, dreams. Yeah, and the, how much work it is, how much work it is. But in any case, um, they have sold it to Raj and Vijaya Matapati, and they're going to call it Magnolia's Bar and Grill. I was giving them a few weeks, and I'm going to check them out, so see what they're doing. Yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, with a name like Raj and Vijaya, if that's uh, are they going to be put, adding some Indian food to the menu? Or? She said they were changing the concept. It was going to be a new concept. Um, be kind of fun to get some Indian food up on Magnolia. Yeah, I got the impression it was not going to be Indian food. Oh, but well, you know, we just finished talking about trends and how. Raj uh, and Vijaya, listen to me. Yeah. Put some Indian food on there. <laughs> I want my tandoori chicken when I go to Magnolia. Come on. Another change is that Chef Larkin Young, who was the opening chef for Alchemy and Vine and Spoon, um, and then they were going to do something on uh, uh, by the pound up on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. He has left. And um, I'm seeing through the fabulous world of LinkedIn that uh, he now is has started something as of November, Starbird, which is private dining, cooking, and foraging classes. Hmm. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Is it a restaurant and I, all it will have is private dining? I have no idea. Huh. I tried to click on Starbird on LinkedIn, and it led me to a list of everyone named Starbird on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. So that is not working right That's now. That's one of my names that I use when I'm on LinkedIn. Starbird. <laughs> Thomas Starbird. Thomas That's Starbird. Me. Thomas S. Marin. Uh, another big change that uh, they're not hiding, but um, the new chef just wanted to lay low during the holidays, is that on DeLuca's chef, Sarah Lorenzen, has moved to Fair Start's Maslow's restaurant. Which makes sense because we know she worked together with Chef Wayne, who runs the program yeah. at Fair Start and down in San Francisco, and he's kind of he brought her up through Andaluca, yeah. and now he's got her over there. Yeah, their new executive chef is <laughs> Tiffany Laco. So um, what I'm hearing from marketing over there is that after the holidays, they'll be doing some press releases about her and getting stuff. She just wanted to, you know, the holidays are crazy. So for now, we're laying low on Stephanie Leto. No, 
Her name is Tiffany. Tiffany Lato. Lako. L a y c o. Okay, I was just getting a rhyme in there. You know, the laying low on Lako. <laughs> it was so bad, I didn't even get the rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, this is interesting too. Consolidated restaurants, um, which is like the Metropolitan Grill, Elliot's, Heartwood Provisions, Steamers, Quincy's Wingdome, Quincy's and Wingdome, um, has a new majority owner. Now it's not totally new because the guy is Jim Rowe and he's been the president since 2009. Ron Cohn remains part owner. His dad was the one who started it. Uh-huh. Um, there's going to be no change in management, they're saying. It's just going to happen by the end of the year. So it looks like it's just uh, uh, a change of who um, owns the majority of stock. You know, we were talking about um, utilizing all the parts of your veggies and not throwing anything away. And mm-hmm. then you were talking about Chef from Surlatov who's going to do a, a TV show about scraps. It's on. And it uh, got me wondering if uh, they might include Mike Rowe in that. And now I'm wondering if Mike Rowe and Jim Rowe are, are related together. I don't know who Mike Rowe is. Mike Rowe does the uh, um, show on Discovery Channel about all the garbage. Oh, that guy. <laughs> No, I don't think uh, – well, I'm not going to say it. I don't know if Jim Rose connected him. Rowe would not be – Consolidated them. might be a good place to go find some scraps for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Tulalip Resort Casino is doing – they always come up with some weird thing to do, you know, some fun thing. Mm-hmm. And so from November 30th to December 30th, they're doing a thing called Bubbles and Fries. Now, I think it's across their restaurant concepts, but it could be just a few of them. I'm not sure – in one concept, you can build your own poutine. Another one, there's twice-baked potato fries. And then they're, com- they're combining that with um, sparkling wines. So Tommy, the sommelier, and um, Perry, the executive chef, are saying that elegant contrast of sparkling wines and salty treats is what's driving this. Hmm. Sounds like I'm going to have to skip that one. No protein. Yeah. That, well, the idea is not that you would just do those two things. They want you to come and do those and then buy a meal, I'm sure. Oh, okay. You know, not just those two, but just that you can do that. And it's a, the, the combo is so good. Then another big thing, um, like it's the never-ending list of big things in Lincoln Square South, um, there's going to be a Lincoln South Food Hall. That's opening on December 7th. There'll be a baguette epicerie, a barrio luchador, Avo Poke, Dote Coffee Bar, Fat and Feathers, Crosta e Vino, and a Burger Brawler. Well, there's a trend. Poke. Yeah. Everybody's doing the poke. poke. So that's kind of, you know, um, I think it's uh, good. I'm not sure food halls necessarily are good things, but being Bellevue, they're doing something different. They're doing something more upscale. A little more interesting. So, so when I say a food hall, does that mean these are all on the perimeter of the space and I dine yeah. in the middle? You know where the um, like a like a food court in a mall. Yeah, you know where the Argentinian place is and uh-huh. then the lake house for Jason's over on the other side? That hall up above the Argentinian place. Okay. Is where that's going. But it's all shared open space. Yeah, it's a hallway basically okay. that's through there. Yeah. Hmm. Um another uh, of your favorite and and I shouldn't say that, I need to make clear that Cafe Campania is not the villain here. Actually, but, no, this one, I believe we had talked about this one last month. Oh, did we? I believe so, but oh, go okay. ahead, say it again. The cassoulet for the holidays is back. So um, Tom got uh, food poisoning eating cassoulet, but it was not at Cafe Campania. No, it was not. But he's nervous about cassoulet now. So in any case, yeah, if you, you can, get on Facebook and ask me where I got it, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, you can order ahead of time and pick up the day before Christmas or New Year's. 
Then Daniel's Broilers, Bellevue, Lake Union, and Leshy have new happy hours. So they're going from 4 to 6.30 in the lounge only. Honestly, the drinks, $10 martini in Manhattan's, that doesn't seem like a deal. Well, that's a deal if you're going to Daniel's. Yeah, that's true. They're probably 15 or you yeah. know, 12 or $15 yeah. for a martini. That's probably true. 14 I'm going to guess 14 Yeah, I bet. Um, you can, this was interesting to me. It was phrased, one glass of house red or white, $8. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, you only get one. That. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. I don't wow. Know. And then they have a featured beer of the day for $5. But the the bigger thing for them, and they've always, Daniels has always done a good job on on a happy hour. This It's bar eats are half off. And they still have a burger, those, those filet mignon steak strips that we love. Yeah, I like that. Um, the uh, artichoke hearts, things like that. They've Most of that is kind of the same, it looked to me. Mm. So that's nice. Half off is a good deal. And then Adana is now, it's A-D-A-N-A is now offering a new tasting menu, and they're calling it Chef's Selection. It's seven courses and includes some dishes from their monthly menu because they change the menu all the time, Mm -hmm. and some that are only available on the tasting menu, which is fun. So that's offered daily for $80 plus tax and grat. Remember last month I said I'm going to start calling it tax and grat? Yep, I remember that. Tax and gratuity. So, so they, they now. What was the uh, restaurant that we went to downtown that had the tasting menu for eighty five? RN seventy four. Yeah, so I think they copper catted our show. Oh, maybe, but it's a five course down at RN seventy four. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you get two more courses for five bucks less. Yeah, there you go. Come see us in Adana. <laughs> now, I haven't gone to check this out, but Homegrown is offering some new items. You know, they're always trying to to go healthier and. When they first started, we were not all that impressed. And then they started baking their own bread, and I think that has changed now. They're having somebody else bake their bread to their um, specifications. Because they have so many places now, they kind of yeah. need to do that. But they're offering some new items. They're doing breakfast sandwiches, healthy bowls with warm, ancient grains, and some new sandwiches on thinner, crispier bread, so you're not getting so much bread, mm-hmm. which uh, could be a good thing, so... I keep watching them. I want them to uh, get to the point where I just have to go there every week because they're doing such a great job. Mm-hmm. So they're they're getting there. I'm hoping. Yeah. And then the skillet at in the regrade at Sixth and Lenora has is it a, actually called the skillet regrade? I, well, probably. I, bet, I see the capital R in regrade on the notes. Yeah. Here, so well, it's kind of the neighborhood too. You wouldn't not capitalize Bellevue. It's the regrade. Right. I don't know. It's not a city name though. I don't know. Huh. I'm thinking. Maybe if you went out on their website, you'd see Skillet Ballard, Skillet Regrade, Skillet, you know. Oh, I see. Okay. Capitol Hill. I don't gotcha. know. Gotcha. Um, they've added a food-centric happy hour daily from 3 to 7. They've got a $4 mini burger and a $2 tall boy du jour. Tell me what a tall boy is. I know it's beer. It's the beer of the day. It's the tall boy du jour. Oh, I get that. I'm asking what a tall boy is. A tall boy is a, is like, just, a, like a 15 ounce. Okay, it's glass. just the size of the beer. Yeah, in fact, if I'm correct, a tall boy is actually just like a, a metal can that's like a 16 ounce can. Because when I hear that, I think can, but yeah. I but I didn't know for sure. Yeah. Okay, they're doing some chicken skewers, garlic fries with herbs and lemon aioli. They had a bunch of stuff, so. Mm. That sounded sort of interesting. I'll, so I'll that's, try that out someday. Yeah. As soon as I get done with my Mediterranean diet. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, chicken skewers, that's a Mediterranean diet. I could go. Yeah. 
All right. That's what I have for News Bites this okay, month. Good. Let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll be doing the calendar. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnnOliveOil.com. My name is Jordan from Twin Falls, Idaho, and I had an amazing food experience at Toulouse Petite. Hi, this is Kurt Beecher Dammeyer, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show with Connie and Tom. We are moving into our calendar section now. These are things that, you know, things going on in the area that you should know about and might want to take advantage of. We put new things on the calendar all the time, so if you want to check back at www.seattledining.com backslash calendar, you can see all that's going on and more information and links to the places. Yeah, so the first one here is actually going to do two of these, one on the uh, 2nd, on Saturday the 2nd, and one on Saturday the 9th. And what they've done, this is the shops at the Bravern have cut a deal with Santa Claus <laughs> to uh, take a little break from his place up in the North Pole and come down, and you can do brunch with Santa at the Sugar Factory in the shops at the Bravern. So uh, there will be photos with Santa uh, I'm pretty sure it's okay if you bring kids to this. Um, free valet parking. You get a gift bag. Uh, you get a one of a kind dining experience. Because how many people? How many of us has ever been able to dine with Santa? The real Santa. Yeah, there's only one real Santa, and he's wherever you are. Uh, lots of decorations. It's uh, thirty-nine dollars for adults, twenty-nine dollars for kids. Then on the third of December, which is a Sunday. You've got Casper's Gingerbread House class. So this is where you go in, um, you get a gingerbread house, and you get to decorate it all the way you want. That goes from, uh, there's two sessions, one's at 10 and one's at noon. It's $55 per house, and if you bring extra guests, it's just a $10 charge more for guests. I'm going to recommend people go to the noon one. Because yeah. I think if you go for the 10 a.m. one, if you're really working hard on that gingerbread house, Castor's going to come along and shush you out so he can <laughs> clear the deck for noon. So He's that kind of guy. And, and they're going to have scones and pastries and hot cider and hot cocoa. Mm -hmm. This is uh, bring your own protein to this. <laughs> yeah, walk away with a sugar high. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Wednesday, December 6th at, uh, I will say this wrong, Lingua Franca... <laughs> Dinner at RN74. Uh, Handpicked wines from Lingua Franca out of the out of Oregon for behind the bottle dinner. RN74 does a series called Behind the Bottle, so it's information about wine. Okay. So you get a dinner and you you know learn about the wine. Okay. Uh, five courses from Chef Thomas Greasy. Greasy. That's a heck of a name to have when you're a chef in the kitchen. Uh, $155 per person. We don't know if this is tax and grat or not. 
uh, starts at six thirty p.m. on Wednesday, so you could pretty skirt, pretty much skirt most of the big downtown traffic. Then, yeah. By then. Although we're we're talking eh, Christmas time downtown, it's tough. You might want yeah. to think about walking. Yeah. On the seventh, which is a Thursday, there's the tenth annual holiday champagne dinner at Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue. They're doing Moet and Chandon, Don Perignon. A multi-course gourmet menu, that's 175 per person or 231.21 inclusive. So that includes the tax and grat. Yes, exactly. Okay. And probably not parking, but I don't know if they uh, cover the parking at Daniel's or yeah, not. Yeah, they probably do a valet thing. At, you know, I'm not sure about that, but they may. Starts at 6 p.m. Exactly. Uh, let's see, Saturday the 9th, as soon as you're done with the brunch at the Sugar Factory. <laughs> You can head over to the Bothell Holiday Wine, Beer, and Spirits Walk. And we didn't say crawl. We said walk. Uh, Shop the historic Main Street and try great beverages. Now, my question is, is the construction done on the historic Main Street? Because that's been uh, pretty – you and I were over there a couple weeks ago. Um, Yeah, I don't know. uh, That's going to be from 5 to 8 p.m., and it's $25 in advance, $30 at the door. I'm not sure where the door is. So you're going to have to yeah. use the link from our calendar page yeah, on our website. Yeah, it does tell you which um, which place to go to, I think. And it's this is a BYOG event, bring your own glass. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if that uh, construction isn't done and it starts at 5, it's going to be dark. So be careful mm-hmm. for holes in the sidewalk. Just yeah, Don't wear your high heels to this one. Yeah. All right, on Sunday, December 12th, it's the Lobster Feast at Tavolata in Belltown. Now, they do these feasts once a month, you know, most of the year. Mm-hmm. So, December is lobster, and I did not write it all down because it is quite the menu with lobster in every course. So, it you go really, to seattledining.com backslash calendar, and, and you it. find the event on the 10th, and you can yeah. link from there. Now, that starts at 6 p.m. It's $70 per person, which That's I think is pretty deal. reasonable. Um, you obviously beverages are on top of that, and I'm sure tax and grats on top of that. But uh, and reservations are required, as you can imagine. So make sure uh, you yeah. get in on that soon. All right, uh, on the 16th Saturday at uh, we've got a champagne. How do you say it? Fet. Fet at RN74. Going to be from one to three thirty in the afternoon. Ninety five dollars a person. This is led by their sommeliers, Jeff Lindsay Thorson and Paul Swanson. Uh, they'll be popping open bottles of Dom Perignon 2004, Luis Roderer Cristal 2009 vintage, Mark Herbert 2012, Herbert, oh, Hebrat. Hebrat, maybe? I can't, I Hebert? can't say it. I don't know. Uh, and more. Uh, I, I I would imagine in ninety five bucks they're probably gonna have some food too. Well, these are pretty high end sparkling wines, but I'm thinking they would put bites out. Yeah, at ninety five dollars, yeah. that'd be thirty thirty dollars a glass. Otherwise. Oh, well, they've, and more. There's not just those three. Oh, and more. Okay. And they're really high high end. So okay. then uh, on the okay. yeah, go ahead. On the seventeenth on Sunday, this is a little out of town. We're talking the Long Beach Peninsula, but if you love tea. They and you love literature. They're doing a Jane Austen tea at the Shelburne Inn. Um, I have to say, on the website, there's no time and no cost, so uh, you'll have to call them. Yep. But, go to our um, website. Go to their website yeah. and then call. 
It's uh, celebrating her birthday with a big British celebration, savory bites, sweet treats, fine English teas. So that'll be fun. Um, and last but not least, there's tons of stuff going on for Christmas and New Year's, and Connie keeps updating it pretty much weekly. So you can use our calendar on Seattle Dining and find out what's going on. We're not going to get into them right now because there's a lot. But uh, we will keep it updated as we get more information. And uh, let's take a little break. we got a really nice interview coming up with Bridget from the Hot Stove Society. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hi, this is Heather, and if you're ever out in Yakima, be sure to visit Zesta Cucina. They have wonderful Italian dishes and other various foods to try. Hi, this is Holly Smith from Cafe Juanita, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I've got Connie Adams here, the senior editor. And uh, we've got a special guest in the studio with us today. Uh, obviously, one of the things we like to talk about here on the show is not just eating out, but uh, when you're cooking at home and being a better chef at home. And uh, we've got Bridget Charters here from uh, the Hot Stove Society. Downtown. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to have you here. Well, well, let's just jump right into it. Tell us, first of all, for if there's anyone in Seattle who doesn't know, briefly about Hot Stove Society. Oh, what, yeah. What does it do? Surprisingly, there are a lot of folks that haven't heard about us. It's mm-hmm. Usually we ask for a show of hands at the beginning of class, and about 50% haven't oh, been. Really? Yeah. So Hot Stove Society is a cooking school that was started by Tom Douglas. We did it. We opened it three and a half years ago, uh, and it's in the Hotel Andra upstairs from Lola Restaurant, yeah. across the street from Dahlia Lounge. And uh, Tom, for years, had been doing his um, summer camps over at the Palace Ballroom. Oh, right. And when things were quiet over there, they thought, let's do something fun for our regular customers. Yeah. So they do these week-long extravaganzas. And so anyway, the hot stove came about because there was an empty... Uh, there was a workspace up in the back of the Hotel Andre that was a storage closet, but oh, it was big. Yeah. And uh, Tom and the owner of the Hotel Craig used to hang out back there, and they said, I you do. know, this is crazy. Let's take advantage of this square footage. It's yeah. just kind of dead space. And yeah. so here we are, you know, three and a half years later wow. with the Hot Stove Society. I heard about it uh, through some friends of mine. I was at the little place Veef up in Fremont one oh, day, yeah. hanging out with my friend Lauren, who owns it, and... Uh, and she's like, oh, hey, I just heard Tom's opening a cooking school. You know, and things were kind of changing at the Art Institute. So uh, that's and you've when they're like 17 years. 17 years, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was, you know, I was there and I was doing other jobs around town. Like I said earlier, I worked at, you know, El Terrazzo and other restaurants yeah. and catered and, yeah. you know, but teaching's, teaching's been great. And so it was fun to hear that 
it was for the public. So it's yes. hot stove societies for the general public. Anybody can go on our site and sign, sign up for up. a class. It's not a full culinary program. Right. And you do a variety of things. I mean, from really level and entry-level kind of things to really more. Like you've got a food lover's weekend coming up in January, which doesn't sound beginning to me. It's like handmade phyllo, flatbread, bagels, cakes, sweet pastries. So, you know, if you're into baking... You get a whole weekend of it, right? Well, and it's you know it's it'll be baking, but it'll be other things. But it's you know those food lover weekends are fabulous because it's intensive and it's three days, so it's very similar to the wow. culinary camps. There's all kinds of there are all kinds of fun, um, uh, you know, giveaways. There's hands on. There are demos, and the guests come in at five o'clock on a Friday, and they leave at a five five o'clock on a Sunday. Wow! Do so, you sleep on the floor the whole time? Yeah, you can. <laughs> there are folks that fly in from different parts of the country for the weekend, wow. and they stay at the hotel Andra. Yeah, and you're down there at eight thirty for coffee and breakfast, some kind of cool, interesting breakfast, and then the guests come in, and usually there's a couple of demos, and then there's some hands on, and yeah. they have lunch, and there's snacks around, and tastings. With yeah. each of the different courses, whoever the chefs are. Mm-hmm. So this one will be interesting because I recently was able to attend the grain gathering. Oh, yeah. The Wazoo, the Washington State University um, bread lab up in uh, the Skagit. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have some of the top baking folks from all over the United States that oh, come to wow. that and the world. And so we're going to tap into some of those folks to come to this event. So it... You know, it, it's not bread specific. There'll be other baked goods. There'll be pastries also, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's really neat. Um, on Sunday, usually we do some kind of a hands-on. So the guests, and it's 24 guests that signed up for oh, the class. Okay. We still got some slots open. Oh, okay. And uh, we'll do a hands-on. And so whatever that hands-on is the final meal. Oh, nice. Which is very nice. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's really nice. You know, you get... You get to know everybody. You work in teams. I was just going to say, on. by three days, you're, you've bonded with all these people. Yeah. It's really yeah. neat, and it's very interesting, and people have a ball, yeah. and we have a lot of repeat uh, folks that come back, you know. Yeah. Um, that answers one of my other questions. Um, it's The classes are from... Soup to nuts. Soup to nuts and, and beverages. Mm-hmm. You can be a beginner. You can be somebody who's a really good cook but wants a bump up on maybe something specific. Right. Um, you could be somebody who just would like to find a better way to do weekday meals for their family. It could mm-hmm. be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I know it's important to Tom and it's also important to me. So when we were kind of laying out what we were going to do, it was important that folks had – um, the capability to do hands-on. So we try to roll as much hands-on oh, was- into the classes as possible. And then, you know, of course, we've got our um, Tom Douglas classes. We've got one, you know, we've got one coming up. Yeah. And so Tom will do these extravagant kind of cook the book, his favorite cookbooks, and he'll do six or seven courses. Oh, wow. With wines or cocktails, and it's amazing. It's all demo, though. Yeah. Sometimes they'll call people up, you know, and there'll be a, or there might be a hands-on component, but yeah, mostly. Yeah. He just did one on China Moon, right? San Francisco. Uh, it was a little while ago, but yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I don't. That restaurant's gone, I think. Though. Oh yeah, Barbara Trop passed away years and years yeah. ago, but that was a that place was an icon. He's also done uh, Zuni Cafe. Mm-hmm. He's done Chez Panisse. Oh wow! You know, so it's not just Places Washington. Places I used to it's, eat at all the time when yeah, I was down there. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, and he does stuff like he's got a 
an upcoming Turkey one, but I noticed as I was looking through that almost all of his classes are sold out already way in advance. <laughs> right. It's interesting. There's one coming up uh, uh, this Thursday. I don't know if, if folks will hear this by then, yeah. but that one is not. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know? That's not the prime rib class, is it? No, that one's no, sold out. No, that one's sold out. That's sold out, yeah. yeah. That one's sold out quickly, you know. So yeah. it's it's very interesting what sells out and what doesn't. I mean, it's we can't say. Yeah. We have absolutely no idea. Oh, it's funny because one of my questions was, how is that awful good class going to sell? Is it? Are there a ton of people who eat awful that really want to know how to cook? You better say what awful is because I don't know what it is. Oh, it's organ meats, in, intestines, organs that you eat. So it could be – Heart, liver. Yeah. And the actual way you frog. spell that is O-W-F-A-L-L? No, O-F-F-A-L. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now we've educated our listeners. Well, and it's awful is. yeah, it's Chris Cosentino, who's a well-known Bay Area chef, and uh, Chris has been on some national TV shows, and uh, you know he's part of that group of chefs that are kind of hip and cool on the national scene. And Chris is hysterical. He's uh, oh, born and raised Bay Area, uh, Italian family. He's hysterical, and he's got a really delicious line of. Um, uh, Italian meat products, Boccolone. Oh, okay. And uh, he had a shop down at Ferry Plaza Farmer's Market, and he's had a few different restaurants. Oh, and okay. Really talented guy. His food is delicious. Oh, so people will come I and hope give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, if you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's delicious. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we have not had a ton of signups for that, but we're working on yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, I've got to get the word out and start emailing my chef friends because I don't think people realize it, you know. Yeah, or they think, "Oh no, I'm not touching that," and they don't. They've never had it, oh, it's so, so they delicious. don't know. It's so know? delicious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, living here in Ballard, I love Ballard Market, and it's great. I was just there the other day, and I was like, "Oh, sweet, they have oxtail." Oh yeah, and it's in yeah. the regular section now. You know exactly. Which is nice. I mean, normally you got to go down to Wajamaya to find some of that stuff. So yeah. we used to like them until this morning. Yeah. We tried to buy the gift cards on the Town and Country website, uh-huh. and they took all of Connie's personal information. They took her credit card number, and when she went to checkout window, they said, "Oh, sorry, we're sold out." So after collecting all that data, they uh, they told us they didn't have any more cards left. Weird. So that was That's a bummer. Not good. Did you call? We're going to. Yeah, yeah. I'd yep. give them a call. I. Yeah, I, I, that's surprising. Yeah. Also, they were running it from four a.m. to ten p.m. and I called before nine. Huh. So interesting. You tried to get online before nine. Um, you yeah, went I didn't online. call. You tried yeah. to buy. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure so. they'll sort that out. They're really nice. Yeah, I like those people. I've done interviews with them. <clears throat> um, you mentioned a little earlier about when you and Tom were laying out the design for for hot stove. So I wanted to get into what your role was because you've you've changed recently. So talk about in the beginning. You uh, uh, so I was there. When I when I mentioned that conversation I had with my friend Lauren at Veef, that was the day they put the plans in. Ah, oh. so it was early. It was gossip, and I had Tom's phone number, so I texted him, oh. and he responded yes. And so I got in very early, and um, uh, there were I don't know Pam Hinckley, his CEO, oh, yeah. mentioned that they interviewed a good twelve or fourteen people. For the position of director. And oh, so wow. I got hired, you know, and the yeah. <clears throat> the vision, you know, we we're very much kind of on the same page about Tom's motto is confidence in the kitchen. 
And I love that because yeah. it's so true. I mean, you can do anything if you think you can do it. I'm always saying things like, throw the damn recipe away. Come on. <laughs> you know, rewrite it. It's not about the recipe, it's about the technique. And mm-hmm. if you understand the technique, then it's, it's just figuring out what the ingredients are and what the ratio of ingredients are. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're braising, it's easy. And so then you're stealing their flavor profile, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, that was, that was the plan upon opening. So I was there at the very beginning and I made the punch list. And so Tom had, they had sketches about what they, how they wanted it to look. And mm-hmm. then I was able to weigh in. Oh, nice. In terms of being, so, being a, like him, being a cook and saying, well, this is not a good layout or I can, well, this will I work had better. a, yeah, I had a vision of what I, you know, we were similar mm-hmm. in terms of how it looked, but then functionality, there was some functionality things that mm-hmm. I weighed in on that, yeah. that we ended up doing, which was great. Um, Tom's got a awesome uh, right hand. His name's Sean Hartley and handles all of Tom's operations oh, okay. and execution. So, and Tom's great. Um, they're very responsive. If something's not working, oh, fix it. Yeah, you know, and there, somebody will show up. They've got an operations team that works for Sean. Uh, there was an article in the Seattle Times a few years back showing, you know, Sean laying on the floor, one of the <laughs> operations, you know, dealing with the refrigerators. And, you know, they're totally, they get right in. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, you know, we, it was nice because we had six months before we opened to work out some of those oh, kinks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that and it's good. And we wanted to build it like a culinary school. And I had friends at KitchenAid. Oh, yeah. So I contacted them and uh, they were very generous and oh, nice. um, gave us all our cookware. And They're the well stoves. represented. They are well represented. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and again, they've been really generous with us, which has been yeah. fabulous. And KitchenAid, their products are awesome. Yeah, and it makes sense. Why, what better way to show off your mm-hmm. equipment that you're selling than to people who are learning or you know increasing their knowledge about cooking well it makes it so convenient in the kitchen to have things like mini chops and food processors or Mm -hmm. a really nice blender and you know people who go to those classes are going to say well i can't live without that now so they'll go buy it right so for our listeners who haven't been inside the hot stove society yet i have and i've done a class in there there are four very large prep tables that uh, you would stand at and so your group it depends on what the class is, I'm sure, but uh, our group would uh, stand around a prep table and we'd work together and we'd, we'd make a couple different things. And then when it came time to have a meal, the, it's very functional where they can take one of those prep tables and turn it into a family table. Yeah. And they have the high stools and everybody sits around and enjoys their meal together. It's really nice. Yeah. yeah. And you've got you. the yeah. huge mirrors and everything, so no matter where you are in the in the room, you can, you can see what see. somebody's doing on a demo. They're actually TV screens. Oh, they're TV screens. Yeah, we went with the TV screens just yeah. so that it was a full vision situation. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, the tables, um, John Boo's company, the big cutting board company, oh, yeah. I've also gotten to know them from these food and wine festivals oh, yeah. I do around the United States. So they also provided the tables, and we came up with that. I had seen that metro shelving at this beautiful home catering in Madison Park. Oh, wow. They had marble, Carrera marble countertops like at the hot stove. Uh-huh. And they were on, they were movable. And I was oh, like, that is cool. That's what we need. Right. You know, so yeah. it was very interesting. Yeah. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we take a little break 
And when we come back, we'll pick up where we left off, and we want to also talk about trends with mm-hmm. her and exactly. that sort of thing. So We've we'll be more. We'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in the adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, this is Lisa from Woodenville. Um, my favorite restaurant here in the Woodenville area is Russell's. Uh, located near Bothell, and one of the things I really like about the restaurant is it really reflects the Northwest, what we have to offer here, and um, has some very unique items on the menu. Hi, this is Carrie from Tavolo, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. You're on the Seattle Dining Show, and we're back for our second portion of talking to Bridget Charters of the Hot Stove Society. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was out of, and this could be even beyond Hot Stove Society because you've been teaching for a long time, but what are some of your favorite classes? What have you taught that you've just really loved teaching? Well, we started um, we started a series called Peak Season, mm. Peak of the Season. Nice. I love I love vegetables and I love uh, cooking vegetables, and I love the variation. I love growing vegetables. You know, mm-hmm. the Northwest is a great place for that. And uh, it's amazing, the range, you know. And a lot of people don't know how to cook vegetables. It blows my mind. Well, they know how to boil them or steam them. <laughs> no, they don't even know how to do that. <laughs> they don't even know how to do that. Oh, or wow. roast them prop. I swear to God, yeah. it... it Blows my mind. So give us a tip. I need to get better at roasting carrots. What's the best way for me to roast carrots? I keep trying different ways. I'm just not hitting it yet. So it depends on the size of the carrot. The carrots are beautiful right now. That is the season, Mm -hmm. you know. And so find some really beautiful looking carrots. Whether you go down the tricolor, the tricolor are beautiful. I love them. So cut them into just gently wash them. If the skins look nice and don't look particularly dried out, leave the skin on. Just give them a quick scrub. Oh, yeah, I always leave it on. And then cut them into bigger chunks. Cut them into a, you know, an inch and a half, two inch, nice big pieces and make oh. them all roughly the same size. And then make sure they're dry. Get them dried off well mm-hmm. and then toss them into a, a mixing bowl and drizzle them with extra virgin olive oil and then put your favorite spices on there. Or it could just be salt because then it's so delicious. Mm-hmm. Carrots but are so good. I love doing carrots with a little bit of cumin seed. I love doing them with fennel seed or I do them with curry mm-hmm. and salt and olive oil. And then I crank the oven up to four... 25. I think that's where I'm going wrong. I need to really get to the heat because I like that caramelized sugar when you get that sugar out of the carrot on the outside. Right. And so I put a little parchment paper down on my baking sheet and then make sure that oven's nice and hot. And if, if the oven's too hot, guess what? You can turn it down. Yeah, but if the oven's not hot enough, as soon as you open it up, it drops thirty degrees anyway. Right, right. And so, 
if you know, make sure the oven's smoking hot because you can always turn it down or open the door to adjust the temperature and then lower the temperature if you feel like they're getting too dark too fast. But carrots like to be cooked quickly. Oh, okay. So hot and fast. Hot and fast. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Barbara Kafka years ago came out with a book called Roasting. And it's amazing. The beginning of the book, she's a smart lady and talks at the beginning of the book, talks about the temperature, you know, and roasting and roasting is a high heat method of cooking. It's super important that you're not. And the other thing that people do is they overcrowd the vegetables. They try to crowd them all. They only own one baking sheet. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and it's the little one. Yeah. Go down to cash and carry. They're eight bucks. Go buy a stack of five and just they're easy to store. Use yeah. those. They're aluminum. I, I go crazy with those because they warp when they're in the oven at high heat. Not if you've got a good one. Yeah. They so won't warp. That's what I did. Even I bought the nice Viking can... ones. Yeah. 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 They won't warp unless okay. you've added water or something to them. But anyway, vegetables, you know, vegetables are one of those things. So anyway, back to the classes. I love doing the peak season because I get to bring in as many heirloom varieties. So we do a peak season root vegetables. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, wow. And so I like to talk about, it's fun for me because I can talk about the genus of the plant and oh, what yeah. it's related to, you know. And, yeah. you know, dill is related to those carrots and, you know, that yeah. whole family. Fennel, they're all related, yeah, you know. Yeah, fennel was. Celery root and, you oh. know. Uh, anyway, uh, there's the woman, Deborah Madison, and she wrote a book called uh, vegetable literacy. That's everybody <laughs> should it. have that book in their library. Oh, wow. Everybody should have that book in their library because, again, it goes into the history and then it talks about the best cooking methods. Those mm. are the cookbooks people need. They don't need yeah. recipes, they need techniques. They yeah. need yeah. to know what those skills are. They mm-hmm. need to think about that stuff. And so that's where I can go in deep yeah. and really talk about, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And, I like that. I've heard uh, not, it's not very frequent, but every now and then you'll hear about somebody who teaches classes, and they want to they want you to understand the science behind something, right? And it's like that makes sense to me, because then if you know the basics, you can do what you're talking about. You can change every recipe that you have. You can figure out what you want right. to do with it at that because you know how to cook it or you know the technique, right? So right, right. My yeah. technique is you just throw it all into the rice cooker and <laughs> crank it on for forty five minutes, and you're done. <laughs> Well, and that's good, too. It's it No, well, some people do that. Yeah. Those, what are they called? The Instapots or whatever? Multi-cookers. Multi-cookers yeah. or Instapots. Yeah. Nice one over here. That oh. seems to so. be the rage lately. You know, uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about trends from our last, last month's podcast. We were talking about the National Restaurant Association mm. trends uh, for 2017, which seemed really not very... Amazing, because we've all been doing it so much up here right. already. So I was asking other people, chefs and restaurant owners, to tell me what they think. So I'm going to ask you that, too. What do you see as a trend coming up or something you're jumping on? Or is there something people are asking for that are like that's like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of coming out of left field. Well, more people are asking to learn how to cook. Just so in general. Just what we, just what we talked about. Mm-hmm. So understanding roasting and understanding braising. Okay. And, you know, understanding kind of the science of cooking. And, you know, we've, I've had quite a few requests about kind of sauces and God, how do you deglaze a pan and yeah. what, what, you know. So the trend is really getting back in the kitchen. Yeah, which is really nice to see because, 
you know, the, all the grandmothers are dying off, and that generation after the grandmothers went to work. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily know how to cook. Yeah. And so that generation's not providing any information. And mm-hmm. we had the proliferation of uh, the Food Network and television and the internet. And so now you, the cook, can go to a video on YouTube. Mm hmm. And learn in depth about something specific. Yeah. You know, and so there's this amazing wealth of information, good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. good yeah. And bad. information out yeah. there. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to pull mozzarella, they're going to get you close. It's yeah. amazing. And so a lot of people, a lot of people from a cooking perspective are going after the tools. You know, yeah. and they're going after the fancy stoves and the fancy ovens mm-hmm. and the fancy barbecues and smokers. Is that necessary? For some people it is. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, because they're they're those folks that like to go down the rabbit hole and get very specific, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But you can make a wonderful meal without having of course the best equipment in the world. No, nah, you know, the it's most amazing for me, like we have some friends that own a, a a beautiful home up in up on Orcas Island, and it's they have multiple homes. Uh, it's the sawmill on Orcas Island, and they're uh, amazing. Anyway, they have one of the houses has a the only stove is a cast iron. Oh my gosh! Stove really so wood fire wood fired. Wow, wow. and Original. it's awesome. It's beautiful, and uh, the Hels- it's the Helsel farm. And uh, Jack and Jan are so cool, and they let my husband and I stay there when we were first dating. And, like, I stood there and stared at the stove for a few minutes, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is cool. Because not only do you have to be a good cook, because you have to manage that heat. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. You know, it's going to get to 500 degrees really uh, fast. Yeah. So, you, you know, imagine these women that were great-grandmothers having to manage that fire and build. And oftentimes they were feeding entire crews. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, and, well, my grandmother used to sit there with an instant read thermometer oh. <laughs> and aim it at, a, at the top of the stovetop. And right. she knew it was yeah, 500. your grandmother oh. taught your mother nothing because she's the one who overboiled all the vegetables. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating. And so a lot of people are kind of getting back to that, which is mm-hmm. really nice. Okay. And, and it, it's not necessarily the mom that's doing the cooking. It's the dad. Like, I have some friends of ours, you know, it's the dads that are the cooks, you know, because they have a little bit more time. Their jobs are different, you know, and that structure is different. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot more people are are seeing that. And I think there's a a focus, a general focus on health. Yes. Um, You know, and the concerns about sugar and Roundup and our water table. And, you know, a lot of people are, there's a lot of information out there and people are, People are worried, so a lot of people are just choosing. Yeah, take it into my own hands. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. and having friends over yeah. and gathering at the table. And, I, I do kind of like that because the whole Twitter, Facebook, everything has kind of moved people apart. So it's wonderful that people are starting to come back and sit around a table together. Right. You know, a big group of people. and It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. and it's, you know, it's all different ages. And I think it's becoming kind of trendy to know how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Do you do any kids' classes? You know, we did, but uh, they were kind of hit and miss. Mm. And we're we're still, I think, and the business is still in its infancy. Yeah. And so maybe later down the road, but, you know, Tom's funny. He's, ah, 
you know, Tom has one daughter, you know, yeah. and those folks are restaurateurs. So that, you know, E.T. on the other hand has lots of kids. Yeah. E.T. being Eric Tanaka. Eric, right. Tom's partner. But it's so funny because they're like, ah, no kids classes, but I believe in it. <laughs> For example, this Saturday we have a holiday wreath class coming up mm. and I'm going to, we're going to make a milk dough uh, this great bread dough recipe that I learned at the Art Institute. And it's a delicious dough, and we're going to make that. And we made it this Thanksgiving. My son and I, this past Thanksgiving, my son and I made the rolls together. Oh, nice. You know, and it was so much fun because it's such an easy recipe. And then the kids achieve. But exactly. we're going to do a braided, a Scandinavian-style oh. braided wreath. And I and so I've put the word out on the mother network in Ballard. Yeah. So... That would be. I mean, hmm. it's a cha- It's the the recipe is easy, but it's a challenge to braid. So you've got a little bit of both in there, right? Well, and I, you know, our, we have a pasta one on one class yeah. tonight. You know, tonight I'm doing a gnocchi class. Okay. Any of those classes are great yeah. to have kids in. Okay. I think any of the classes actually would be great. You know, that's another question I you have. Have to get a step stool for him to stand on. Yep. at the prep table. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was looking at the website, and there was a in the FAQs. Uh-huh. Somebody had said, or it was typed in there. I think I know more than a 101 class, so can I go straight to the 201 level? But when I was looking in at the classes, nothing's l- labeled that way. We so, started that. We started out that way because we wanted to have higher level, more technical classes. Mm-hmm. And so we just we just sprinkle them in. Like the awful good with Chris yeah. Cosentino, that definitely is a class where people are going to be like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's going to definitely need to be kind of a knowledge level. But, you know. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So we chose to kind of scrap that whole. We thought about having, you know, kind of like the trebicchietti that the Italians use. Oh, yeah. You know, one, two, three spoons yeah. in terms of technicality. But you know, the clientele, we haven't had that. And you know? it probably discourages some people who could do well with it. And it doesn't hurt for someone who doesn't know a lot to go to whatever class it is, because if there's somebody who's a little bit ahead of them. Uh, you know, like when we were doing the lamb class, I really liked watching people and see their knife skills. Yeah, and kind of say, "Well, I'm I, I know how to do that. Oh, look at what he's doing. That's cool." You know, and 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 just kind of absorb a little bit just from the people that are there, not right. only the instructors. Right. And I, you know, I say to my students when I was at the art institute, I was like, "Look, guys, you know, the the thing separating me from you is time." Yeah, you know, and that's so for other people in hot stove to see folks across the table that do have knife skills. I'm like, it's just a matter of time. We had somebody yeah. recently that was just very nervous, and I said, "Look, just put step up to the table. You gotta just start. You gotta yeah. do it." She's like, "Well, I don't know how to cook," and I go, well, "You're here, and so start." Here yeah. you are, you know. But I said, "I need you to go home this weekend, and I need you to practice what you learned here." Yeah. Yeah. I, you need to reinforce yeah, it. You know. Exactly. It's gone if you Practice. don't. It's that, hey, t- you know, Tiger Woods didn't get good at golf. Yeah. You know. Because he went out and Oh, hit yes, it. he did. <laughs> you know, it's that ten t- the repetition of 10,000 times, you yep. know. Exactly. People are like, oh, we don't want to have you for dinner because you're so good. And it's like, it's my profession. Yeah. Of course I'm good. Yeah. It doesn't know? mean I don't love going to somebody else's house. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to chat about before we wrap this up is is um, your space being available for private parties. Mm-hmm. Because you can also do a buyout on the space. And yeah. I'd, 
from how many to how many people? And so we've done big social gatherings uh, for seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our big kind of parties that we'll do periodically in there, where we we did the um, uh, we had Magnus uh, Nielsen. He came with the Nordic Heritage Museum, mm-hmm. and we did a talk. Well, we didn't have enough space for the talk upstairs, so we used the Andra Ballroom downstairs oh, wow. and then had the reception upstairs. Yeah. So there were 100 people in there between our loft bar, mm-hmm. to that foyer where our little library right. is and the little living room, mm-hmm. and then inside the hot <laughs> stove. So yeah. we, can, we can take a lot. We sit down max. We can do um, about 55 or okay. so. And if you were going to do a team building thing where teams had to make something and then oh, eat it up, it's so much fun. It is fun. It's uh, the optimal size on that's about um, you know thirty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it gets a little crowded, but thirty-five yeah. works. 40. Is there a minimum? We had about twenty in our group that day, and it was pretty nice. Yeah, plenty of room to move around. Tons. And- yeah, because you can get to the kitchen. I mean, you can get to the stoves. Our mm-hmm. average size for our hands-on classes is twenty-four. Okay. And originally, when we opened it, you know, I came to that number having taught at the Art Institute for so many years. And when you start to get up over twenty-five on a hands-on, it's just you can't get your your hands to those people. Yeah, because everybody, needs everybody, a and little. everybody. Yeah, and we have our team there. So if if there's an instructor teaching a hands-on class, there's three hot stove crew oh. assisting. Okay, you know, and that's the case for the lamb event. Mm-hmm. You know, is that. You know, there's somebody there providing, or you can put your hand up and somebody will shoot over and yeah. assist, you know. Yeah. So it's nice and it's important to us. We it, it matters that you go home and you've learned something. Yeah. You know, and that you've had your hands on yeah. things and, you know. I, I went to a lamb thing a year ago um, and they gave us boning knives. And that was like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, you do have to just get in. And somebody was there to say, you know, just start it here. Right. And, and then, then you just go with it. And yeah. So you got to start. You got to start someplace. <laughs> Bridget, it was so nice having you here. Thank you for Thank being you. here today. Thank you for coming over. Yeah, my pleasure. It was great meeting you guys. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. This is JP. I'm from Lake City, and one of my favorite places to eat is Cafe Lago. This is Uli from Uli's Famous Sausage in the Pike Place Market, and you listen to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin here with Connie Adams, and uh, I do have a clarification. During the break, 
we went ahead and gave it another shot, went online, tried to buy those gift cards from Central Market Town and Country, and we successfully made it through. So apparently what was ever blocking us before was the popularity of this program that they did on Cyber Monday, (laughs) which happens to be the day we're recording. Uh, and so uh, it's all good. We're getting our gift cards. They've got our personal information, but everybody's happy. So. Yeah, we thought for a while there we'd given out information for no good end. Yeah, luckily we didn't have to call the Washington District Attorney's Office. So. <laughs> it's all going to work out They fine. were shaking in their boots, so they fixed that right away. <laughs> well, we like to end the show with some tips. Uh, you've got one that you've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, I've been uh, really wanting to straighten out uh, what I'm eating every day, and uh, just coming up with stuff off the top of my head every day is not cutting it. So uh, I sat down and created a weekly grid of what I wanted to have, but in fact, I actually went further than that. I created a 28-day meal planner, Wow! and I'm still fine-tuning it, but uh, I think it's going to help me get my food intake a little bit more on track and I'm not going to just run out and get some pizza because I couldn't think of anything to make at home. Uh, not that I won't be having pizza along the way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I notice that the more that I can eat well, if I get two good meals in me a day, which is hard to do when you're in this industry, uh, but if I can get two good meals in me a day, uh, I'm a lot better off than if I'm getting one good meal in me a day. Yeah. You you actually are pretty good when we're out about picking pretty much the healthiest thing on the menu. So you don't do too badly, but nonetheless, it's not the way you would eat at home. No. And that's the joy of going out. And it also helps putting together a shopping list that works for you so everything's there and ready to go when you want to make it. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I, this is rocket science. Let me tell you, this is serious rocket science. <laughs> but a lot of people don't do it, and so that's my tip. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, um, I think really the Fremont Doc started me off. We mentioned that earlier. Um, don't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you'll say, oh, I don't want to go to that place. It looks sketchy, or I don't want to go to that place. It doesn't look nice. And you go in inside, and it's great. Um, that can happen in the reverse way also. You can look great and go in, and you can be really disappointed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you might see something sketchy and find a jewel inside. So look, you can do a little research. And then uh, sometimes you just have to go out and check it out, and you may find your favorite new dish. Tom, I'm sure, will laugh at me saying, yes, I remember on Red Mountain when you said this is going to be the best wine of the weekend. <laughs> and it scared us so badly. Of course, they're gone now. They're gone. But, um, you know, I still think you got to try some things out. So I agree. All right, it's time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on our December show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click, click on subscribe free. And we want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. We want you to dine at home. And we want you to dine out often. And we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? 
However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.